to the DIY Animation Show, where we get to the heart of what it means to be an independent animator. I'm Lauren Morse. And I'm Jessica Dahl. Together with our guests, we'll explore tips, tricks, the psychological, the fundamental, and above all, how to make whatever you can with whatever you've got. From the keys to the breakdowns and everything in between. The timing's right to do it yourself. Let's get rolling! there we are here today with our very first bit of season break content (laughs) (laughs) yeah we are super excited about trying this new format of having season breaks as much as we get excited about everything which we do get excited for a lot of things (laughs) yeah we really we really do this is like our normal level of excitement with an extra dollop of excitement on top yeah so Mm, it's really good you just stir all that excitement together (laughs) yeah so uh, with the season breaks we are going to be switching to different types of content over the break uh, and that will really help keep things sustainable for Jess and I while we're working on preparing the next season's content Mm -hmm. yes so editing in general for the season break it's going to be uh, and, the, and the general vibe, it's going to be more casual and a little more low-key than what our usual interview content is like. Mm, it's kind of like the shorts and flip-flops of the podcasting realm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You're just chilling, <laughs> just chilling and having a good time. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing here today and for the next couple of months. So uh, speaking of a uh, couple of months, so the content is going to be a little more casual, but the schedule is going to stay the same as our interview schedule. So we will still release content once a month. And if you'd like to stay up to date on new updates, new blogs, all that fun stuff, you can stay up to date at the blog site, DIYanimation.show, our Twitter at DIYAshow, and of course on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash DIYanimationshow. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us for this uh, sort of new part of the DIY animation adventure. Mm -hmm. It just means that we can work on and prepare the next season content, uh, which will be season three, by the way, in autumn. But we are both still alive. We're still here. We're still working away on the show. Indeed. And also throughout this time, we'd love to hear what you think. So mm-hmm. feel free to shoot us a message. And we would love to know what you guys think of, uh, of this new format. So we're very, again, we're very excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll still be around for all the conversations and geeking out about animation stuff. So yeah. send it all our way. Yeah. We are really looking forward to it. Just like we're looking forward to today's very first episode. <gasps> Let's dive right in, shall we? Segway. <laughs> so a couple of months ago, we invited Adam and Nate back to the show to record a catch-up after their original interview way back in 2016. Mm. You may remember in part two of the original interview, we learned that Adam and Nate were really keen on pitching the Sentinel to different networks in the hopes of getting it greenlit 
for a series. And what followed, and what we'll hear about today, is a series of pitching adventures, techniques, and personal insights they gained about the Sentinel, themselves, their friendship, and their creative endeavors. Yep, we pretty much just hit record and asked them a ton of questions. We asked them a lot of questions. Adam and Nate, thank you again for letting us ask you so many questions. Um, they, they had a lot of insights and lessons that they learned from pitching, and we consequently learned a ton. It's not very often you get to hear about people's experiences from right in the pitching room. Mm-mm, it's true. There's so much practical information, technical insights, um, all the lessons learned from within those very pitching meetings. And Adam and Nate are so kind and generous and they just shared them with all of us. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Yes. And they also shared some exciting new things hovering on their horizon. So we'll be able to hear a little bit about that today, too. (laughs) So grab a drink, maybe put a little umbrella in it to go with your shorts and flip-flops oh yeah (laughs) get comfy on your sun lounger and join us for some pitching adventures yeah let's go adam and eight thank you so much for coming back to the show it's really good to catch up with you guys hello again it's super awesome it's really good last time we spoke which Jess and I realised was back in 2016 when we recorded the interview. It's a little while ago. Um, You just finished creating your short, The Sentinel, and you were looking forward to pitching it to some studios and seeing where you could take it. So we wanted to ask what's been happening for The Sentinel these past couple of years. Man, yeah, what a wild ride. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've done lots of that. (laughs) You want to start or do you want me to start? Well, the premiere of the short went really well. We generated a lot of positive feedback. We were featured on some animation blogs and um, kind of like hit the ground running, which is really exciting. We ended up signing with an agency and having like manager come out of that, which is really great. Wow. And they worked to set up a lot of meetings with a lot of different interested parties to kind of talk about possible directions in the future for the story. And it went really crazy <laughs> for a really <laughs> long time and it all kind of blurs together. But I don't know, Adam, if you want to jump in and talk about any specific points. I have one memory yeah. <laughs> in particular, which is really crazy of the whole time. Yeah. But I don't know if you want to give like an overview of it all. <laughs> sure, yeah. So we started out and uh, like Nate said, we got we signed with a agency and a management company and we basically started pitching to try and uh, the, their plan for us was to try and bring on a very well-established executive producer, and then from there, go to Netflix or any of the big you know, networks and show us as a package and pick, pitch to them. Wow. So we spent, I mean, really only just stopped for the Sentinel, I don't know, at the end of last year, really. So about a year and a half we spent yeah. pitching. I think we did probably between 30 and 40 pitches to different executive producers. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was, it was wild. Uh, yeah. And we, there were times, one or two particular ones, where we had a company who was ready to sign on, and unfortunately um, it ended up falling through. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just kind of the nature of the business, you know. Yeah. Until, right. you, until it's like signed in blood, you know, you really don't <laughs> know if it's going to happen. <laughs> But yeah, basically we, we pitched it a ton and I think for what it was and where the industry is currently at, 
at least right now we haven't been able to uh, sell it, I think, largely because it's kind of like, in, it sits in a spot between children and uh, adult entertainment, which is uh, a lot of companies seem to not know what to do with because there's not much there. Uh, yet for animation, hmm. yeah, in the U.S. at least. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I was like, yeah. oh man, the market though. Huh. That would all be their response. They'd be like, huh, so this isn't like for six-year-olds, but it's not yeah. for adults. <laughs> well, what do we do with this? Now. What's this in-between market that you would call that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to see how each kind of different place and group wants to kind of do something different with it and they all want to pull it in a direction that's like different (laughs) and sometimes that's cool and sometimes it's like not what we're picturing and it's been an interesting exercise and like okay what matters to you about a project and where do you want to take it and what are you trying to do with it and what are you willing to change and it's actually funny the the moment adam was talking about the closest we came where there was like a group that's like a pretty like well-established group that wanted Basically, we're like, we're going to do it. Congratulations. We can't wait to work together. And we got this call. I was in London when that yeah, happened. And it that. was election night. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. It was like 2 a.m. in London. Uh, we were getting the results of the election. And it was all like the world was like turning upside down. And then Adam was like, we're making the thing. It's happening. And I was like, I don't know <laughs> what to think about anything that's happening on the planet right now. <laughs> like, I don't know where I am. I feel like I feel the dream. It was like a very surreal is like the least word you could say for it. <laughs> it was so weird. You um, slowly phase out of existence. Just, uh. I, I was like, I just, I don't know what's happening. I was like, this has to be a dream. Just like everything's crazy going on right now. Um, so that was crazy. It was interesting because the, like, there were people that were interested in it as a film, as a series, as a miniseries, as a VR short. Oh, wow. As like possibly tied into an interactive experience. And it's like trying to balance even like all of those like possible directions for your story to go was a very exhausting experience, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Adam was more in the thick of it than I was because he was actually in Los Angeles on the ground, meeting with a lot of people. I was like being phoned in and on a few accounts, like flown down from San Francisco for it. But like, that was a whole other side of the story of just us getting on the same page about what was going on. And it was crazy. It was a very frenetic, chaotic time, yeah. <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, pitching is a weird thing. It's uh, because it's not creatively rewarding in any way. It's totally the other side of uh, the art world and that you have to sell yourself. And mm-hmm. so I think it for a while, I mean, we're still pitching, just not the Sentinel, mm-hmm. uh, but it has taken a long time to adjust to figure out how much of our time are we spending making pitch packets for specific <laughs> projects <laughs> and how much of our time are we actually pitching which takes a lot of time you know you're spending all this time preparing and also giving the pitches going to these meetings and then how much of our time are we actually spending doing what we love which is making stuff right so mm-hmm. it was you know we went from making stuff all the time which was really awesome to this totally new experience uh, that was very hard to, and still is hard to adjust to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
Can, can we talk for a second about what exactly is involved in these pitching meetings? Because, you know, we saw on your website before you had your pitch packet with all the press release materials and obviously, you know, you have the trailer. But what actually happens inside of a pitching meeting? Um, typically, we'll go in there and the meeting will be set up for us to pitch to them. So everything's known what we're going there for. We ended up printing out a couple very large images of from the Sentinel of concept art couple uh, stills that we brought along with us um, just to have in the room. Mm -hmm. And then we also had a computer uh, with slides on it that we would go through as we pitched the story. So basically we'd, we would get in there, we would meet either, usually it's one to three people, uh, sometimes it's as many as ten, but that's more rare, wow. at least in our case. A lot of people. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which that is also another reason why it's draining. It's, it's very nerve-wracking. At least, I mean, I'm by no means a salesperson, so I think it was probably maybe a little bit more exhausting for me than some other people. It's true. It's like crazy how little it can be about the creative content. Oh, and yeah. That it's about relationship, personality, clicking with someone. And half the time you would just get in the room and they'd be like, let's just like meet and talk and like... It's more about that than getting a yes or a no on what you're showing or like, do we think it'll work? Do we not think it'll work? Oh, really? Yeah. And yeah, it's like very unstructured. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't um, what I expected at all. I figured it'd be like, oh, let me show you the story and all the things. And they'd be like, oh, yes, yes, we quite like this look. And Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's not uncommon to leave like feeling like you know less than you did going in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is interesting and it's not bad and like I think mm. that maybe like even like going in with the expectation that you're going to come out with like an answer or like notes on what to change is like probably too much mm. uh, and that it should just be like well let's meet these people and see how you click with them is like a lot of what it was <laughs> Wow. Yeah. and that would be crazy when it was like I'm going to fly down from San Francisco to like meet someone <laughs> and be like hello cool you seem cool alright goodbye I'm going back to the <laughs> Yeah, that would often be what it was. Nate would come in in the morning, we would go do a couple pitches, and then by that night, I would drive Nate to the, <laughs> to yeah. the airport. That would be it. He would be on his way. Wow. Like yeah. meet and greets all day. <laughs> yeah, was... I think that was a big learning experience for, for me. It's just I feel like after having done so many of, it, of them, uh, I realized that so much of it is about just you putting or instilling confidence in them that you know what you're talking about mm -hmm. and just clicking with them on a personality level. And they, I think they look more for that than anything. I mean, you're there <clears throat> because you've gotten, you know, because they at least think your project is good enough. I think there's still some of that. You have to prove it a little bit, mm -hmm. but also more than anything, you have to show them that, you know, they really think they can trust you. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's like we've, we are, we've seen the work, we like the work, now we want to see if we feel like we'd be a good fit working together, like if uh, our personalities will match and mesh and all that good stuff. Yeah. Although I am curious, it sounds like it was mostly just that, but were there ever any talks about like when you guys went in, would they also be like, oh, what would the budget be for this project or series? Or like, did you ever have to be prepared with really technical questions like that? We did have to be somewhat prepared in that sense, especially because that is something that would come up for us a lot, pitching, in this case, a television project that looks expensive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I yeah. think a lot of people or a lot of the companies we went to saw that as a worry. And so I think more than anything to be prepared for that, 
we did a lot of research as far as what other shows were being produced for, tried to figure out a budget that kind of put them at ease a little bit that we thought was doable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'd never considered, well, anything about pitching at all. So this is yeah. a complete <laughs> revelation for me. <laughs> yeah, I think it's totally an art in itself. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. And then, the, and there's also the aspect of like, in terms of like forming a relationship and things like that, you know, you wouldn't always end up talking about necessarily the Sentinel. Um, yeah. There might be other things that they had that they're like, oh, you might be a good fit for this. And then I think we spent a lot of time, you know, kind of testing the waters of like, well, is there like content out there that we feel like would be a good stepping stone to like, okay, we can't make the Sentinel now, but we can make this other thing. And maybe eventually then we could make the Sentinel. And I think we learned a lot in that regard of just like, uh, it's interesting because then it's like, well, at that point, are you still making content that you feel you connect with? Mm. And is there a way to make what they want in a way that you feel that you connect with it? And should you be trying to connect with it? Like, like <laughs> what, like those waters became somewhat murky, I think, mm-hmm. uh, as they spread out even beyond your own project to kind of like, well, what are you kind of willing to do to form a relationship to make a thing happen? Or you know what I mean? Like, what, what other work would you be willing to take on? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that Adam and I had a couple of gut checks where we were like, is this like what we want to be doing? Like, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think that was really, you know, good. And I think both of us are also, you know, we're lucky enough to be in a position where we have work outside of what we're doing right now we're trying to do with the sentinels so that we can examine this in those terms but that's always what i think boketto and the sentinel was meant to be was like a project that we felt passionate about and that we were doing what we wanted to do and then when you start bringing money and other businesses into it it very quickly can start to not be about that and mm-hmm. trying to like navigate that was really interesting (laughs) it's it's funny it really makes you think about things because I think there are definitely a couple situations where maybe if we went down a specific road and decided to do the project in a certain way that appeased to you know these companies that we were working with like we had one company that said okay we're interested we want to do it more as a very typical hero's journey story uh, and it would have required us to basically totally rewrite the story. Oh, yeah. And, and maybe if we had done that, we would be making it right now. But at the end of the day, we kind of re-examined it and realized that, you know, we would much rather tell the story that we want to tell, the story that we've worked on so long to create, uh, than to kind of give in and, you know, tell a story that feels much less challenging, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there are moments of examination with it too, where it was like, if you're talking about making a feature film, that's obviously like an intense, huge undertaking. But like, where we were like, well, do we need to be doing this? Could we, what if we were using all of this time that we do pitching to like, instead just be like developing another short that we feel like passionate about and that we're able to make like in our own time. Yeah. Like in the age that we're in right now, like, you know, you can create content like, oh, cat on my lap you can create content independently you know pretty successfully and you can distribute it and you know as long as you like have the wherewithal to do it so i don't know i i think it led to a lot of soul searching about why are we trying to do what we're doing and, you know why are we trying to align with this group or that person or 
trying to get it made in this format like is that what it needs to be is that what's important or are we just kind of being told that this is what we need to hit and do we actually want to hit that it's interesting mm, no that's a really interesting point and actually on that what would you say your goals for the sentinel are now are they the same as they were before have they changed at all or or it almost sounds like they've like they've circled back through through this, pro- <laughs> this process yeah i mean <laughs> i would say our our goals for the sentinel are exactly what they uh, were when we last talked many moons ago. <laughs> that we really want to do the Sentinel as a series, and we want to do it in the same way that we did before. And I think we we now see more than ever that we we are willing to wait for whenever that may be. It's not that now that we haven't been successful in pitching it that we're throwing it in the garbage. It's we more feel that maybe that's just a project that's not ready to see the light of day yet, you know, until either we have more content to prove that we have the ability to make successful work or we just, you know, need the right buyer to come along. So mm. I think we're just waiting until that happens, I guess. But we're, I mean, I know I'm still extremely passionate and I would be very excited to make the Sentinel um, at any time. For sure. Oh, that's really cool. That's really admirable because I know sometimes when you're working on a project, there's just this underlying drive to, I just want to get it made. And then there are yeah. other times you're like, no, I know I need to sit on this. And it's yes. like this constant sort of uh, pulling between the two things. So I think it's really cool that you guys have uh, decided to just hold on to it until the time is right. I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, you just you have to do what's right by your gut. Yeah. So and again, the signal's awesome. So yeah. and oh. it's gonna be really good. Yeah. <laughs> One day the One world day. will be astounded by it. <laughs> <laughs> I have faith. Yes. <laughs> were you pitching alongside day jobs as well, or were you just completely focused on the pitching? Go ahead, Nate. I have a day job, mm-hmm. or I have like a nine to five gig at google <laughs> so that was a lot of why uh, I, and i'm also like six hours away by car <laughs> so that is a big part of why i was only involved in some of the pitches mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm a freeloader <laughs> <Yeah>. excellent <laughs> yeah. no i uh freelance so either i was not working while doing the pitches or a lot of the times i was freelancing and i would just take an hour or not, not an hour two or three hours in the middle of the day to go to a pitch and then I would make up that time later so oh okay yeah sounds like you made it work all together yeah I was I was lucky to have uh or work for studios that were open to me leaving I think you know I just kind of told them when I would take bookings that I may need to be available for times to go pitch Mm. They're all cool with it. So. That's nice. About how long were the uh, pitching meetings? Uh, usually 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. Yeah, not too, nothing too crazy. That's nice. That's really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were five minutes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, mean, I went to one and they're, well, maybe not five minutes. We went to one <laughs> and they're like, we got there and they're like, okay, I only have 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and we were pitching two projects at the same time. And so we got in there and I was, I was just like, okay, this is this, this is this. And then we were out. 
was 10 minutes long. That's so short. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But that's how it goes. Some people, you know, busy people. Uh-huh. But it's true. No <laughs> you just got to be ready for anything going in there. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. That's good. That's, that's good to know. Actually, and then branching off of that, what is one tip you would give for someone that is wanting to pitch their project to people? Uh, I'd say, like, be confident in yourself and your perspective, even if that means that the pitch is not going to work out, you know, like, I mean, compromise what makes sense, but don't feel like you have to compromise because you're in a room with people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like stay, stay true to thine own self. (laughs) Yeah. I think when you're in there, it's, there's so many things going through your head. You want to make sure that they understand what you're trying to pitch, uh, that everything makes sense and you get all the plot points, uh, you know, have them come across and I think the big thing is remember to express what you're excited about in the Mm. project I think that's if you can get other people excited about it then you're no matter if you have all the plot points or not that's you know that's a success I think also maybe it may have helped looking back to just write down what you know what your goal is for the project and at the beginning you know and figure out what excites you and write that down so you can look back on that and make sure that you're not straying too far from that. Cause it is, I mean, as we've talked about easy to, after you've pitched it so many times and you're tired of pitching to forget what you really set out to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point. I was always at that mode to follow that original vision and your heart yeah. and all that. It's, yeah. That's really nice. I wanted to ask, what do you feel is the best thing that sort of came out of your whole pitching experience? I mean, I think I came away with, you know, a better understanding of how that world works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know that when I when I ended up getting the job that I have now at Google and I left Los Angeles and I left the spot I was at in the animation industry, there was this like nine in the back of my head of like, are you making the right decision? And what would have happened if you would have stayed knee deep in the animation industry itself? And what would the next like step have looked like for you with that? And I think the pitching process and kind of seeing that like really what was like the next step was like business, you know? <laughs> and, and not that that's bad, but that it was like, oh, I don't feel like there was like some golden magical land on the other side of that, that I like would have had like, the amazing ability to create whatever I wanted to or or whatever and like had like you know an amazing platform or or something like that like it was more like oh okay like yeah it's like hard work business relationships like weird politics and you know very creative people and exciting things to work on and opportunities but it's as fraught as it is exciting you know Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think even just having like I think for both of us, like seeing that world in the capacity that's not like we're all in and this has to work or else we're like homeless on the street or something like that has allowed perspective with it. And like, is this really what you want as opposed to like, I have to have this. Mm -hmm. And I think that perspective, I don't know, I think it makes me feel like I have a better understanding of why I do what I do and and the importance of holding on to that. Yeah. Uh, And I think like, one thing that came out of it was at some point when a lot of our free time was being taken up with developing and delivering pitches, I was like, I just need to start creating something again. <laughs> and I went back and relaunched my webcomic and, you know, being back in that world of just like the thing that I make just for myself. And if other people want to read it, that's cool. But this is like my jam and my world to play in and whatever has been 
a breath of fresh air and like really rewarding and like, oh yeah, this is why I do what I do. And this is like the sort of thing that I take fulfillment from in artwork. Yeah. Which is cool. That's that's very long way. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really nice that you've got something that kind of ties you back to to just enjoying the thing that you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's me. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean Besides all that, which I completely agree with, I think it's been an incredible learning experience just to, you know, pitch a bunch of times. I think I'm wildly better at pitching than I was. I, by no means a master, but I, thinking back, I think I've learned a ton about what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, if not indirectly, that it will, you know, help me pitch other projects. I think it helps in any sense, being direct with communication and how that applies to really every part of the directing or um, you know creative process. So I think that's been very helpful as well. Just yeah. like going somewhere, doing this thing that you really is uncomfortable for most people uh, <laughs> and just kind of pushing yourself to do it. I think after a while in, in any situation, doing things like that really teaches you how to act differently and to and to do things better yeah so I, I have two questions to mm-hmm. follow that because I'm, I'm curious one is how did you both feel when you first started pitching the signal like at the very very beginning and you're going in for like the first or even like second pitch meeting uh what was that experience like or do you remember uh, i think <laughs> it was just been a little exci- bit <laughs> it was exciting and it was it was nerve-wracking there was like anxiety around like what's this going to be like and also excitement of like oh my gosh what could be around the next corner and there was like getting to go on some of the like big studio lots was like yeah kind of romantic uh it's like you're literally wide-eyed and yeah i think that like that was more the feeling at the beginning Mm -hmm. and i and i don't think and it's not that like pitches at the end were different than pitches at the beginning. It was just like after you do a bunch of them, you're like, okay, I kind of get how it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I again, like, have to like give a shout out to like Adam for just like he really was like leading the charge, and he went to like twice as many, if not more, pitches than I did, and he really made the rounds and and did footwork to try and put the sentinel out there and put it in front of as many people. And I think that like like. If, if not for Adam's drive and push with the whole project, you know, it, I think it would have stopped a while ago. Or, like, I think that if it had just been me doing it on my own, I would have been like, what am I even doing? And, <laughs> and uh, Believe and me, I had plenty of those moments. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, actually, I think, too, like, on that note, I think Adam and I grew closer from this whole thing as creators. And, like, it's it's a tough business to be in a creative partnership with someone especially yeah. when you're when you're dealing with a lot of outside forces and things like money and vision and like where are you going to fall and we're in different places like we had a lot yeah. we had every reason going into this like this endeavor to like come out of it never speaking to each other again wow. <laughs> and, or, yeah. or that could have happened very easily you know it could have been like oh. yeah. yeah and and it never was and i mean i think the the biggest point of frustration that the two of us ever had during the whole thing was to finally come to this point where I was like, I wish we were just making things together again. <laughs> I wish we were just like creating things instead of having to go through this business minutia. So, I mean, yeah, really. I think the friendship and the creative partnership that, you know, I've been able to maintain and foster with Adam is like the greatest 
thing of this entire endeavor oh. that I have. Oh. Seriously. Oh, yes. that's the best. No, really, that's... it's very... <laughs> it's yeah, very... no, that's super, super cool. Oh, yeah, it, it's people true, do... though. I mean, I really can't say that what Nate said enough. It's just, it's crazy how much, especially when you're getting into, when we were really in the thick of it, how many different people were trying to pull us in different directions like oh you should do this with it or oh why don't you make it vr or, you know make it totally what changing if you add this. a talking sidekick animal yeah like, <laughs> and, like make it appeal to toy makers and stuff like that yeah, yeah and with all yeah. that going on and also you know the, the draining process of pitching and things coming through and then falling apart and it it can be very creatively frustrating so uh, it is very amazing that you know we were able to keep a really strong relationship through that yeah it sounds like you guys just had a lot of work to maintain your trust in one another Mm -hmm. and that you also worked hard to make sure that you're both on the same page with everything and just maybe realigning your goals about like this is what we want we're sticking together (laughs) yeah Yeah, Um, i think having him there is like a constant kind of gut check about stuff and i think that that I think it was a lot easier to maintain kind of like clarity of vision and intent with what we were doing mm. and just having someone there as a sounding board for, you know, we both had the same stake in it. We both were like wanting the same thing out of it. And like to really be like, if we do this, is this really what we want to do? <laughs> like, is this really <laughs> what we're trying to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, really helps like keep our head above water with it, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really cool. Looking back on it, is there anything you would do differently now if you were to pitch something Mm, yeah i think we were pretty trusting of people at the beginning and that there was not every party has your best interests and your vision in mind right and i think kind of going into it with a like kind of keeping your hand to your chest a little bit more is probably the only thing that i would have done different and i think you know like there's probably a lot of meetings that we probably could have gotten out of being like, well, we don't want to do that. And then just leaving <laughs> as opposed to like, we could, we could make that work. We can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think maybe just like holding on to who we are and being, you know, being, I, I think we ultimately were, but I think that we just kind of entertained a lot more things than we probably needed to. <laughs> right. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think on that note, I think, like while we were pitching the Sentinel, a lot of other pitches came to us through our uh, managers or through our agents' pitches, which may not have been exactly what we were trying to do, but you know, were an opportunity to get a foot in the door. And also, another whole other layer is just being, I guess, available for your managers and agents so that they see you as a client that they want to work with. Right. Uh, beyond you know, making a relationship with these companies, you also have to create a relationship with them because, you know, they're also working pro bono for you until you sell a project. So they have to believe that you're going to sell them a project to continue working with them. So, you know, you're also striking a balance there. And so I think we spent a lot of time creating pitch packets, some for projects that, I mean, we would love to do down the line, but maybe if we spent a little bit less time doing that and more time 
focusing on just creating more work. I think that would be what I would do differently. Mm. But it's hard. It's hard to really know that until you yeah. go, I think. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always hindsight is always excellent vision. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think part of the whole experience is having that valuable learning curve because otherwise, as you say, you wouldn't know that until you'd gone through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it just makes... I feel like it's another aspect that makes an experience worthwhile is to feel that you've kind of understood it or come to understand something better or learned something about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question based off of that too. Well, it branches off of another question I'm about to ask. So I'll ask that question first. And it ties in with the whole theme of friendship as well. I still really love. I think it's amazing that you guys have got closer as a result of the situation. I think it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. Um, So also in the last time we left off, you two had formed the studio Baketo uh, together, uh, which I'm assuming that is what you're pitching the Sentinel as. So I was wondering with Baketo, How's it going? And even you've been talking about like, oh, we, we need to create more stuff together. Like if only we were creating more stuff. Is there is there anything in the works over at Paquetto, possibly? Um, <laughs> nothing at all. Okay, so yeah, it's just crickets. <laughs> so basically we're we're pitching one project coming up, which is based off a children's book. And so that has been a lot of our focus right now. We have made plans to until I get settled in Portland, kind of take a break and besides the pitching and just get settled. And then we want to, actually, I wanted to actually talk with Nate afterwards, <laughs> see what we want to do next, because I think we came to a spot where we, you know, we really want to make something else. We want to make sure it's something that we both feel really passionate about and that it's not just, we're just making something to make something. Mm-hmm. And so I think we really want to sit down and just kind of figure out a project that we can really both get behind again and rekindle our excitement. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the goal, is that we pitch this project, uh, we do a little bit of that, and we're also, you know, maybe starting something new, just trying to um, create something that's really fun again. Yeah. Cool. Was creating Boquetto in response to the Sentinel then? Creating Boquetto was... The Sentinel was to be the first project of Boketo, which was an independent studio for creators to be able to make the content that they wanted to make. That's cool. Yes. Nice. And the Sentinel was like our litmus test first project. Yeah. (laughs) Man for a litmus test. Again, good job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm going to ask all the things. Are you able to give any details about the project you are, the children's project that you're pitching? Uh, I think so. I mean, it's... It's based off a children's book called Julia's House for Lost Creatures. This would be a little bit younger project. It's a very short children's book, but it's incredibly charming. It's very whimsical. It's kind of uh, reminds me a lot of Where the Wild Things Are or uh, say like a Miyazaki film. Oh, lovely. I don't know how much more I can say about it besides that yet, but um, mm-hmm. we're basically pitching it as a feature film. Oh, that'd be cool. Anything, anything with like, I just like all the comp like combinations for that thing too. And I see that as a feature like right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think it could be really cool. Oh man. We'll Best of luck to you guys. That sounds awesome. Oh. Have you guys, um, have you, I'm curious about this for, uh, the Sentinel and then also just for future projects as well, but would you ever consider doing crowdfunding or 
using a Patreon to fund your projects? Hmm, maybe. Well, I use Patreon for my comic right now. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> How's that going? How's um, Patreon working? Good. Actually, really well. Better than I would have expected. Nice. Um, actually, the website is could use a little uh, updating. Uh, <laughs> but um, in terms of the people and the response and stuff, it's been very awesome and generous and yeah, and I've actually like connected with other comic creators through it as well, which is cool. Oh, uh, through Patreon, you mean? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's really. So yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in terms of like larger projects, I think like if it made sense, but I don't know. I don't know what you think, Adam. We we talked about that a while ago, but then we didn't go that route. Yeah, yeah, we had pretty big plans to do a Kickstarter at one point for the Sentinel. I just my confidence in getting enough money to make a project, or at least an animated project, is pretty low. I think mm-hmm. it's, at least of what I've seen, games do very well. Mm. Uh, but for the amount of money that we would need to make this, really anything animated, it's really hard to imagine doing it for something that would be worth it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, I, I remember, I think I know what you mean. I, I remember seeing some Kickstarters for uh, uh, some animated projects that turned out to be really, really cool. But even, like, one was a music video, um, mm. and the end result was fantastic. I forget the final figure that they were asking for. They reached it, and they, they achieved it, but I want to say, oh, I, I forget. It was something along the lines of, like, tens, almost, like, $100,000. And I want to say they ended wow. up making, like, 120,000 again that turned out phenomenally but also that was for like a four minute music video mm. and that's a lot of money yeah and not to say that there haven't been kickstarters of other things for like a series but even still like they're asking for like tens of thousands into the hundreds of thousands of dollars it just seems like it'd be hard yeah sometimes yeah um Osong's film my moon uh, oh, i don't know yeah. if anybody saw that mm. it reached its its kickstarter campaign and it then was made uh and yeah, i think it's just now least yeah which is super cool and really amazing i but i think that that works more for like oh like i think that works as like a passion project type of thing because it's interesting to think of like well what's the next step if you make that short film like what's your end goal with that because you're you're even even with kickstarter like you're getting it made but it's there's not necessarily like a market where you can like actually make a lot of money back for it or like where it can be like a money generating thing yeah, yeah. The, like, the most like can... long-term not long-term investment but like yeah. uh reciprocal i know yeah it, yeah <laughs> like just like to have it be contributing to your, <laughs> to your income <laughs> yeah. um it's mostly just like a one-off which is amazing i mean i don't know like that is amazing mm-hmm. but it's interesting to think like what's the model beyond that mm-hmm. yeah yeah because yeah, it's like you would want to consider yeah yeah, you definitely want to consider that. I'm sure there's a way, but yeah, like it's it's it would definitely be an obstacle though for sure. Yeah. Mm. I was just thinking because I, I haven't seen that movie yet, but mm. the trail like I remember seeing a trailer for it and it was really really pretty. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's that? gorgeous. It's my moon. Yeah. Is it out? Uh, they had the the release party, but I don't know if it's actually like out out. Uh, okay. Um, but. Yeah. I mean, Osong's amazing, and everyone who was working on that project was incredible, and yeah. it's like dream team of people. <laughs> it's like amazing. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like one to check out. Yeah. Oh, I'm in it. What? <laughs> what? You're in it? What? Well, what? I did a voice for it. I forgot. Me? <laughs> 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 no, it's... Uh, he had a really interesting way of, of doing it. He asked, uh, I think, a lot of people to record the same lines, and then he, like, there's multiple voices that do 
that show up in the in in the audio. Oh, that's um, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was really cool. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot that I did that. <laughs> so many projects, just can't remember them. Uh, it, it was very fun. Whenever, uh, whenever we watch it, we'll have to keep like keep an ear out for uh, yeah. for like where is he's in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's Dude. amazing. Oh, mark that off the bucket list. That's really cool. Yeah, there you go. Voice action. <laughs> yeah. So cool. So on the on the sort of personal creative front, do you have like your own projects individually that you're working on at the moment? I know that uh, Nate has Level right now. Yeah. Yeah. Level is my biggest uh, individual thing outside of work, and it's it's interesting. I started. I like relaunched it. I think January first. And moved my update schedule to being one page every week, mm-hmm. which is very different than what I in the past I used to do. Every two weeks, you would get an update of an undetermined amount of pages, and I was like, I'll release whatever feels like the right amount um, to tell like the story beat that I'm at, and uh, that was cool, but like very unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually like spent the last quarter or like the last kind of three months of last year building up a backlog of pages. And then I was like, okay, you'll get one a week, always, no matter what. And I have a backlog so I can keep working, but not be like crazy stressed about this or like, you know, and that was, that was the point in time in which I felt comfortable starting a Patreon and being like, I can guarantee you content coming out if you want to wait. But, that's cool. But yeah, that's been, it's been very fun to see that. Uh, start to pick up momentum again and I don't know I love I've drawn that comic since I was 18 years old wow. and I love it just Aww. a stupid little thing that I do but I yeah I'll probably do it until I die that's amazing <laughs> uh, but yeah. I think it's so lovely when you get a personal project that you're just so invested in that you're just like I will quite happily make this forever yeah that is exactly how I <laughs> so good yeah. how about you Adam uh yeah I've been doing a bit of work myself I, I started making a game which has been really fun oh nice um, what kind of game it's uh it would be like a puzzle platformer kind of like uh I don't know if you've seen Inside. Like, so in terms of like the gameplay, it'll be like that, or tone, yeah. or both. Um, maybe not quite as dark. <laughs> <laughs> the Inside was, but, was pretty dark. <laughs> uh, yeah, same type of game. Otherwise, I would say. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, just kind of learning Unity and learning what it takes to make a game. Uh, it's kind of just been a project in the interim of learning all these new different processes. And it's slowly coming along, but I'm very much enjoying uh, this new kind of crazy challenge. So like the last time we talked, you were like, oh yeah, I didn't know texturing. So, you know, I just used Linda yeah. and now I know texturing. And now, and now, and now, and now yeah. again, you're like, I don't, I don't know how to make a game, but I'm learning Unity and doing this thing. It's just like, I love that you just like, you're like, I don't know this thing. I'm going to tackle it. And all right, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I think learning is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's so I true. I love learning new things. So it is, it can be a little bit overwhelming at times, especially with this because there's so much to know in making a game it's really endless whether it's coding or the visual side or you know even just the technical in between phase of getting things from animation to unity there's so much to it and so it's can be hard sometimes because if you really think about everything that still needs to be learned then you kind of have a mental breakdown of sorts <laughs> but <laughs> But yeah, the act of learning and trying new things 
to me, that is one of the great joys of the creative process. So yeah, I just, I prefer to always be trying different new processes like games or uh, anything I can, I guess. Mm. So did you go into the project thinking, I want to make a game, I'll figure out what it's about? Or did you have an idea for a game and you're like, all right, now time to learn how to make a game. I really, I wanted to make a game for a long time. I didn't have an idea, and so I started by teaching myself Cinema 4D, uh, which is just another, I typically use Maya, and so this was a new program just to start learning book development and lighting so I can, you know, do the whole process myself. And so I started doing style frames, and eventually I made one that gave me this idea for a game, and then from there uh, I really started to learn Unity. So I really wanted to wait until I had an idea I felt like was good enough to create a game. Um, and then from there, just kind of hit the ground running. Nice. That's too cool. Can we ask what the game is about or what the concept for the game is? Sure. Um, yes. <laughs> it's called uh, Vanishing Point. Ooh. It's about this female biologist who goes to this... Um, <laughs> what's so funny? <laughs> I just realized how much it sounds like Annihilation. I know. know, It really is. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) No, it totally is. It's about this, like I said, female biologist. She goes to this quarantine zone on this planet that is fading away um, to basically take samples. And she gets in there and her suit rips open and she starts fading away. And so you're kind of going into this very strange place as things are constantly changing and you're meeting these weird interesting people along the way getting closer to the center of this vanishing point um, where it all started wow so so cool. yeah <laughs> so, um it's very sci-fi it's i don't know i think it's very much about the idea of fading away i guess you you are slowly fading away as the story goes along you're meeting people who are in various stages of fading away and dealing with it uh in different ways uh, in the same way that people deal with grief i guess mm-hmm. so, yeah that would be it oh, that sounds amazing when yes. are you going to finish it and kind of play it yeah same <laughs> No idea. Right now, I'm, I mean, it's kind of just what I'm working on in the background, and uh, I'm yeah. hoping to make like a uh, vertical slice, which would be just a small portion of the game to then pitch uh, to get funding to make something larger. So I really have no schedule at this point. I have no idea how long it's going to take, but yeah. hopefully eventually. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of nice sometimes when you're just kind of plugging along at it and it just happens yeah. as it happens. Yeah, totally. That's so cool. This Aww. is awesome. You guys are so cool. I'm so happy to be talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, where can we find you? I know we asked that question last time, but maybe your contact information changed. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I'm huh. Nate Swinehart at Tumblr. And I think I'm unleveled Nate at Twitter. Uh, I'm, like, trying to, I'm trying to look at it real quick. And <laughs> no, it's cool. It's uh, fine. Take your time. You got it. <laughs> if Adam wants to do it while I look. <laughs> no, I've got nothing. I'm, I'm all the same. Just cool. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, I got it. You can find me at Nate Swinehart at Tumblr and at unleveled Nate on Twitter. And then for my webcomic, it's levelthecomic.com. And then it's also on Tumblr and Twitter 
at level the comic. All one word, lowercase. Level the comic. Ooh, perfect. That worked out great for like branding and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have a Twitter actually. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't used it in a long time. So you can probably keep that out. <laughs> Well, it's been super great catching up with you both again. It sounds like you've mm-hmm. been really, really busy the last couple of years and still working away at doing things that excite you and or even getting back to the things that you really enjoy doing a lot. So thank you so much for sharing with us all the things that you've been doing and all the things that you've learned as well for uh, from the pitching experience and um, and everything moving forward. It's been really cool to catch up with you guys mm-hmm. yeah, thanks for having us thanks yeah, for having thank- us back yeah, yeah, you're yeah thank you guys and Best everyone keep an eye on these guys good things are coming for like yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back again yeah that was thank the DIY animation show is an indie production from your hosts Jessica Dahl and Lauren Morse Our theme music was provided by Azure Flux. Subscribe at DIYanimation.show. If you liked this podcast, maybe you'll enjoy more art and story podcasts from our friends at the Oatly Academy of Visual Storytelling. Featuring insights from some of the most inspiring voices in animation, games, biz effects, comics, and children's books. Find them at friendsofdiya.com. We'll see you next time. Bye! Whatever fancy drink you want, just put a little umbrella in it, whether it's a, like a pina colada as, uh, or a coffee. Just go nuts, put an umbrella in your coffee or your tea, a glass of chocolate milk if that's what what you want, because that's also delicious. (laughs) Oh, I miss chocolate milk. I had, I'm going to have some today because I've been thinking about it a lot. (laughs) And then I was like, today is the day. I don't have chocolate milk. It's been on my brain. (laughs) So tasty. Isn't it though? Isn't it though? Have you ever made chocolate milk and then stuck it in the freezer for a couple of minutes no because if you do that i've never been so daring if you do that then it gets ice cold (laughs) because it's in the freezer so it freezes (laughs) what but like and but like but it's so good it's so so good (laughs) oh man this podcast is not sponsored by chocolate milk but it can be for all the chocolate milk producers out <laughs> Just there. Just send it all to Jess, because I'm slightly <laughs> lactose intolerant. So. What? You're, you are? Oh, no. <gasps> almond milk? What about, you can, well, then you can do chocolate almond milk, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah, they probably do that uh, now. See? So, mm. all of, like, you different types of chocolate milk sponsors out there, just contact us. And, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll promote you all day, any day. Probably for free, but you don't need to know that. So you'll still sponsor us, please.